0: Ohio people with Mennonite views, and they're going to give us some missional news. Ohio Ohio Conference Conference
1: Cast.
0: You are listening to Ohio Conference Cast, a podcast dedicated to sharing missional stories and other information about Ohio Mennonite Conference. Here are your hosts, Corbin Weaver Bushard and Ramon Liones.
1: Hello and welcome to the Ohio Conference cast with Korbs and Moan. We are so excited to continue our podcast this month with an interview uh, that we did with Jewel Gingrich-Longenecker, who is the Dean of Lifelong Learning at Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary, or AMBS for short. Jewel leads the Church Leadership Center and oversees AMBS's Journey program, which provides a really substantial link between the seminary as a learning institute and local congregations they're focused on leadership development and we had a really good conversation with jewel Um, i know jewel from growing up ramon knows jewel through his experience in the journey program so uh, anything Ramon that you want to share about how this interview went things that stood out to you
2: yeah, uh, I just want you guys to know how much, uh, like Corbin had said, we really appreciate being able to do this uh, podcast. And um, I want to encourage you guys that if, uh, guys and girls, <laughs> if you have any ideas, uh, topics you might want us to talk about in the future, or people that you see as being interesting, uh, you'd like for us to interview, uh, whether they're here in Ohio, or it could even be a an author of a Christian book. Uh, you guys throw it at us, and, and we'll do whatever we can to uh, uh, get this on the, this podcast because it belongs to you. One of the things Corbin and I were talking about what we should do next and who we should interview next, I am uh, one of the students in the Journey program, and I uh, think that program is in, an incredible gift to all of us in uh, Ohio. And also in other, we have uh, students from all over the place that are partaking in that program. And so I wanted to bring on Jewel and talk with her and have her share a little bit about what journey's all about. And hopefully, uh, you know, as the spirit moves, some of you guys might be encouraged to look further in and take a next step and maybe even join it. So, uh, yeah, so let's get on with the program and let you guys hear Jewel.
1: Well, welcome to Jewel Gingrich Longenecker. We're so excited to have you on the Ohio Conference cast with Korbs and Moan. Those in our audience won't realize that uh, Jewel has known me since... Well, how long, Jewel, have you known Korbs?
0: I've known you, Korbs, since you were four years old. Well, probably even longer, but I remember I remember traveling with you when you were four years old.
1: <laughs> probably the last time people were calling me Little Corbs. so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a extra pleasure for, for me to have Jewel on, um, but Ramon also knows Jewel through the Journey program, and that's right. the main reason why we have invited you on to share with the Ohio Conference cast. So to start us off, uh, we would just be glad to hear a little bit about your faith background. Where did you grow up? What was your faith background like? That's one way that we can just get some insight into how you got started.
0: Sure, yeah. Well, hey, thanks so much for having me on. I'm so honored to be here chatting with you two. I um, grew up in Kelowna, Iowa, and that's southeast Iowa. I was raised in the Upper Deer Creek Conservative Mennonite Church, and I'm the youngest of eight children born to Alvin and Lydia Gingrich. I would say that faith was very central in our home my parents aren't living anymore; they were deeply committed followers of Jesus. We had family devotions at the supper table every day. We prayed together, we talked about the Bible all the time. They were very passionate and sincere in their faith. They were just people of tremendous integrity. Uh, we also sang together a lot as a family, all ten of us that might have even been more formative than all the talking i don't know, but often on Saturday nights we pull out the church hymnal and life songs which have you guys even heard of the church hymnal or life songs
2: i know i recall seeing a red hymnal and the blue hymnal and and the green book and now we're coming out with a purple one so my whole life is based on color codes (laughs) 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 you start throwing those words at me i'm lost
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally get you. No, well, this was a black hymnal and some brown oh. hymnals.
1: Oh, okay, okay. We just got to add to the color spectrum in the Mennonite, yeah, hymn community. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly. always a new color.
0: I always can tell, you know, a little bit about somebody's age by whether which which hymnal they, which color was the most, you know, whatever. Anyway, it
1: seems like there's one for each generation, so I'm sure that's the same in a lot of denominations and traditions.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So my family would, you know, sometimes on a Saturday or whatever, we would just sing and sing and sing, and I've thought lately that those songs were so formative. Anyway, I was deeply formed in my conservative Mennonite home, so that's a little bit about my faith background. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that.
1: It sounds to me like your own story is a bit of a testimony to how important faith formation in the household is. I mean, actually singing together as a family, it sounds like there are enough siblings to make that happen. Yeah. So that's a start for a lot sounds of Sounds like the sound of music. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, then as you grew up, you went to college, and you worked for Iowa-Nebraska Conference at a certain point, and, and then somehow you ended up at Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary and ended up starting the Journey Program, mm-hmm. correct? Could you mm-hmm. tell a little bit about how you got to AMBS, how the Journey Program started? What was sort of the, the seed of the vision for this program?
0: When I was in college, I found myself near the end of my program, which was a major in education. And I was realizing that um, I had sort of a deep interest in theological study. I had taken a couple of classes at EMU and just wanted to learn more. And I went to my advisor and I said, should I switch my major to something with theology? I think I was at the end of my junior year, so it would have been a pretty big change at that point. And Judy Mullet said, and God bless her, because I would have never known this otherwise. She said, well, if you have that much interest in theological things, maybe you'd like to go to seminary. I said, well, you mean I can go to seminary even if I don't know, like, where that, you know, I don't have any aspirations to become a pastor. And she was like, oh, no, seminary is a great place to go with your theological questions and interests. Yeah, I really would encourage you to finish up your program here and then consider going to seminary. And so that planted the seed and that's what I ended up doing a couple years later and I chose to come out to AMBS for that. I had married my husband Fred in the meantime and we kind of agreed that at some point in within a couple of years we would try to make that happen. And so grateful to him that he was ready to pick up and move here and I jumped into seminary studies and loved it with my whole heart.
1: (laughs) And so just to be clear for those listening, you don't have to be interested in being a pastor to go to seminary. I heard you say seminary is just a good place to work out theological questions.
0: That is one of the great values of seminary. It's like so many people, I think, find that while they're in seminary, they They do develop some kind of call to some form of ministry, but not nearly. Not nearly everyone comes to seminary having that figured out at the front end. I try to say to people, if you are one of those people who thinks a lot about things spiritual or theological or questions things, seminary is the right place to work with those things.
1: Yeah, well said. So you went through seminary, it sounds like. And Mm -hmm. at some point, you came full circle and started working with the seminary. How did that story arc play out?
0: After completing a, a Master of Arts in Theological Studies at AMBS, my husband and I went to Iowa where I had grown up, so now I had been away for, I don't know, quite a few years, and came back to the community as a campus pastor for Iowa Mennonite School and the conference youth minister for what was then the Iowa-Nebraska Conference. I served in those roles for a number of years and also then eventually sort of stepped back from working and became a full-time stay-at-home mom. And we had our two children, Janae and Jace. One of the pastors at the church we were attending, Meg Richard-Smith, was telling me that she was aware of an opening for this kind of a role at AMBS, and she thought that I would be suited to it. And I said, well, does it involve travel? Because I don't want to go anywhere with my little kids. You know, I'm going to stay home with them. She said, well, I think it might involve some travel. I said, well, then I I don't think I'm interested. She came back later, and she's like, "I, I just really feel like the Spirit is telling me to tap you for this. And I I really wish that you would, you know, pay attention. (laughs) I I wish that you would at least look at the job description. And what was crazy was I had um, been in, I I was in spiritual direction at that time with our other pastor, Bob Smith, and I had told him that I really wish that, you know, I feel some sense of calling to work somewhere um, between the work of the congregation and the work of seminary professors. Like I, I wish that somehow I could bring those two things together. And we had been um, doing classes in Southeast Iowa uh, at Iowa Mennonite School. They were informal theological education classes. So Corbin, your dad taught some of them. I remember he taught on the Gospel of Mark. And um, we brought, like, Alan and Eleanor Kreider out to do some four-credit classes. And we just had different people doing theological education. And and I said to Bob, like, I love planning that. I wish that could be my job. This is just so fun. But, you know, there was no way that was going to be a job because it was very much of a shoestring kind of operation. And these two things kind of came together at the same time. And... So I, I, I said to Meg, well, I'll read the job description, and I, I looked at it, and I just was like, <laughs> oh, my goodness.
2: So when you say job, you're talking about Dean of Lifelong Learning, correct?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah.
2: okay, okay. That's awesome.
0: It was called something slightly different at that time, but it was a lot of the same. The vision was for connecting people in congregations with seminary resources in non-traditional ways.
1: It's such a prevalent question, it seems, when you're in a seminary setting. How do we bridge this gap between this academic institution and then we have churches that they are hopefully able to resource and support? And it seems like AMBS's solution was this church leadership center, right? That your position, was your position created to oversee specifically that church leadership center and this was meant to be sort of a bridge between the academy and the church
0: so nelson crabel and as a new president at ambs in the late 90s went around the church in the u.s and canada just asking what what do you need from your seminary what is it you really wish would happen at ambs and he kept hearing we really need the programs that you have we really need masters degrees and we need more ways for church people to lean into theological education and to get bits and pieces or introductions to theological education could you do more with short seminars and workshops and and pieces that would meet us kind of in the middle <laughs> so nelson then came back from those conversations and, and had in his mind a church leadership center. He wanted to add something to the programs of the seminary that would allow the seminary to really connect with the church. And also, he wanted it to last. He didn't want it to be a short-term thing. So he put money into it, and he raised money for it and began an endowment for it. It is not nearly fully endowed. There is a small endowment for it at this time, and that was very significant. Just his commitment to making sure that the seminary was serving the church in that way, in addition to the graduate programs, um, was what launched the Church Leadership Center. And then that opened the door for us to do more programming like the Journey program. I didn't come until... 2001, and there had already been just a bit of Church Leadership Center programming done before I came. There had been an event for pastors who were new in ministry called Clarifying the Call. And, of course, there were pastors' weeks being planned and managed for years before that. Kind of that Church Leadership Center vision crystallized with Nelson Crable and then really took off after they funded my position to really pay attention to that.
2: I'm a little jealous here because I didn't know Jewel when I was four years old, and I didn't know <laughs> Corbin when I was four years old. But if I knew them at that time, they probably wouldn't want to be talking to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the other, but I, I, have, I have been blessed, and God's grace has given me a chance to uh, get to know Jewel personally. I do know some Gingriches, and I actually I know uh, her husband's uh, cousin. Uh, the, on the you know, obviously on the Longenecker side. I've been blessed to get to know Jewel through Journey. I don't think I need to say this, but so many people love her and really mm-hmm. respect her and, and look up to her and what she offers the church. Uh, one of the questions that I think is really vital for us to ask is, Corbin brought it up, what was the vision that prompted Journey? What mm-hmm. prompted Journey to come into existence? I mean, we talked a little bit about the need for AMBS to, to provide leadership and uh, other types of uh, means of educating the, uh, the people in uh, the Mennonite Church. But what, what started Journey, you know, what brought that all about?
0: The idea came from two conference ministers, Tim Lichty and Bob Yoder, and they were conference ministers for Indiana, Michigan, and Central District Conference at the time, and I, I had only been at AMBS for a month, I think it was, or so, um, and this was in 2001, and Bob sent me an email, and actually, I have this philosophy that you should never delete an email. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I've heard you say that before. So- <laughs> I still have that email, and I I pulled it up this morning because I knew we were going to be talking. Oh, very good. Do you want to hear it? Sure, (laughs) why not? I think that would be great. All right, so he says, Bob Yoder here. It was certainly nice to meet you at Nashville. I trust that you will enjoy your new role at AMBS. And I wish you God's richest blessings as you set your sails and allow the winds to blow you all over the place. Amen. Looking back, I think that's so awesome (laughs) as a blessing and so funny. He says, Tim Lichty, Indiana, Michigan regional minister, and I are beginning to look at ways that we can prepare, train, educate, academically nurture, etc. Pastors who have no seminary training, In particular, there are a number of pastors who are new to the Mennonite Church. In my role, I will also be working with a number of persons testing their call to ministry. At some point in the next few months, we will invite you and others to help us creatively think and concretely plan how we can achieve this in Indiana-Michigan conference. And I will also keep this in mind for Central District Conference as well. Mm -hmm. That's the end of that. Email, But the long story short is that I was super excited to receive that and responded enthusiastically. And the three of us had several conversations and also then several conversations with local pastors, a number of whom were, you know, either saw the need for it or were interested in something for themselves. And there was just a lot of leaning in from these local pastors. And also, seminary administrators and faculty. Um, There were a few specific people who joined our conversations to help with the planning. And so we tested the idea. We formed another group to launch the program. And then, so that took until 2003. So it took us two years to get this thing off the ground. All right. But we did have our first class in the fall of 2003. And and then we formed the Journey Board. So we had had a Journey Implementation Committee, but we decided to create, you know, phase that out and now create a board. The board um, had leaders from each of the two conferences and from AMBS and, and it was designed to oversee and shape the Journey program in an ongoing kind of way. And, it, it, you know, we designed it that way so that the conferences would have a great deal of involvement, and this would, you know, really serve the needs that they had come to Ambius, to, you know, to ask about. But of course, it's it's evolved a lot over time. The program's not the same exactly as it was when we started it. But but the purpose is still very much the same: to develop leaders for ministries and local churches and communities. Um, and like Bob said in his email, to to prepare, train, educate, academically nurture, and so on. Leaders and and emerging leaders.
2: Okay, so you, you mentioned something about pastors, people that have had not gone to seminary. Obviously, you know you're at AMBS and being a, a student of the Journey program. Yeah, you know, I noticed that there are some, and also being a pastor, but I never went to AMBS. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, could you share with us a little bit about how uh, the the current program right now helps those? people that are either thinking about going into pastoral ministry or are already in pastoral ministry, how it's designed to uh, work with them since they didn't go to a um, seminary, get the seminary training. Mm
0: -hmm. It helps to develop spiritual practices to go deeper in spiritual practices. We always put a a fair amount of emphasis on spiritual practices in the journey program. Mm -hmm. And then it also introduces theological and biblical grounding in an Anabaptist perspective. And often that's what uh, maybe people haven't had either the theological and biblical depth grounding and, you know, kind of those kinds of studies or maybe not in an Anabaptist perspective. And so it, it introduces theological and biblical themes, helps people to become um, more familiar with the Anabaptist story, Anabaptist history, how Anabaptism shapes our thinking today, and the concept of God's reconciling mission in the world, and how we as individuals and congregations are invited and called to be part of God's reconciling mission in the world. So that's really uh, an emphasis of the program. Mm -hmm. And then we also give people the chance to practice specific ministry skills like teaching, pastoral care, preaching, worship planning, evangelism, those kinds of things. As you know, Ramon, the whole time students are talking with with their mentors um, off and on, just testing their thinking gaining perspective from from mentors as well as from Mm -hmm. you know what's in the curriculum so right
1: am i right in thinking that students of the journey program they're all set up or they come in with a mentor who they go through the whole program with so maybe a pastor or maybe just uh, yeah a spiritual mentor of some kind
0: yes every uh participant either has or is assigned and a mentor. So in the case of Ohio Conference, Dick Barrett, the conference minister, helps us find mentors. And also, if a person coming into the program has someone in mind that they think would be a good mentor, they can talk that over with Dick. And so there's kind of that help in matching people to a mentor. But they do have a mentor through the entire three years those conversations are i think very important to the program right well one of the
2: things that having been in the program and and you know i'm still i still haven't finished but i i hope i never do because i love it so much <laughs> but <laughs> i'm like a i'm like a cheerleader for you guys you're the best but, yeah <laughs> you know what what's so great about it is uh i notice how when people s- listen to things like this and I, and I I hope I didn't overstress uh, pastoral ministry but there are people in the journey program and the journey program kind of shares with everyone as we're being taught of just a uh, missional being missional being uh, and uh, being a church leader in general so it's not necessarily just for those people that are in pastoral roles or looking to be pastors and could you share a little bit about where some of the graduates have gone from here? I know that there's one guy right now that he has more of a missionary bent, talking about being a, a missionary and stuff like that. So, could you mm-hmm. share with us a little bit about how things have changed?
0: Yeah, I mean that's a really great question. We've um, had such variety of kinds of ministries. I, I always try to emphasize that. People are in ministry in a a lot of different ways. You know, their ministry might be outside the congregation. It might be as some kind of lay leader in the congregation, Mm -hmm. or it might be as a pastor. So the focus is on what is your ministry role and how can we strengthen you for that role? So graduates have done all kinds of things. I mean, we have uh, grads who have worked with AA programs mm, in ministry, okay. chaplaincy, immigrant ministries. Right. Um, one person was primarily working in an RV park in the summer times Whoa, in ministry, awesome. doing, yeah, preaching yeah. and teaching in a, in a, like a, at a campground kind of a thing. We've had, of course, n- a number of pastors like you, Ramon, who, continued in pastoral ministry roles, but, you know, tell us that they have a deeper understanding um, because they did this program. And um, we also have some lay leaders who, because they do the program, end up becoming pastors in their congregations. Mm -hmm. And so it seems to strengthen ministry in a variety of ways.
2: Yeah, definitely. I kind of want to encourage those uh, brothers and sisters out there that I grew up with a uh, different faith background. You know, I grew up as a Catholic, and I've I've been in Nazarene churches and uh, Southern Baptist churches, and actually I got my master's degree at a Wesleyan type of church, like a Nazarene. And I haven't worked on my MDiv yet, and I'm looking at AMBS and other schools. But one of the things that I find that is very important— for just my brothers and sisters in general that are Anabaptists, Journey has strengthened my walk, my faith walk, as an Anabaptist, Mm. you know, to realize that there's so much that we have in our history and our doctrine. And if it wasn't for Journey, I think a lot of people, this would be great for anyone that isn't even necessarily thinking about going into church leadership. It will strengthen their walk as a uh, Anabaptist, and I've heard that from one of the students. You have anything to add to that?:
0: It's absolutely true. We've heard it many times that just doing the program has strengthened me as a believer, they'll say, or as a person of faith, you know mm-hmm. and, and I mean, the thing is that when you're in the journey program, you keep having to think about how you're responding to God's call in whatever way that is. And I think that you probably won't finish the journey program the exact same person you started as. Amen, that's right. And so I would want everyone who enters the program to be open to what God might be doing in their life. Definitely no pressure to become a pastor through the program or even to have a highly specific, you know, assignment. But more just to be aware of God's work in your life and how you can grow in these various ways and be open to whatever God is calling you to do. Right,
2: right. So, uh, last but not least, um, a shout out to uh, my brothers and sisters that I cohort with. I found that one of the most important things about Journey, first of all, you know, it, it, it's a means that people that want to get more leadership experience to grow in their faith, that they can't just pick up and go to seminary. You know, and uh, they can do it from home and and still be in their home church. I found an importance of working with a group of people, you know, going, walking that journey with, like you said, we're never the same. Most of the time we play very well in the sandbox together, you know, (laughs) but we challenge each other. So could you share with a a little bit with uh, everybody about uh, why that's so important? Why is that a part of the program? What have you heard about it? from other
0: people before i respond to that i just i realized i forgot to mention that you asked what some of our graduates go on to do and i would be remiss if i didn't say that several of them have also gone on to seminary studies
2: absolutely and that's me thinking about it right now
0: too so great yeah Yeah. i
2: I love the teachers you know yeah (laughs) yeah. and
0: they end up just wanting more and so they they go and love it but anyway, so why the cohort fellowship or what does the cohort do? And I would say we we built it into the program for mutual sharing, for support, for motivation to continue mm-hmm. cuz if you if you were just doing this by yourself, it just isn't as motivating. So that's mm-hmm. part of it. Um what God has given us that we didn't know to expect is incredible diversity in the program. Mm-hmm. So we have As you've heard me say at our gatherings, we just have so much diversity. We have people from so many different um, ethnic backgrounds and also theological perspectives, all within the Anabaptist Mennonite on the continuum somewhere
2: there. Right. And age, and age. And
0: age, so much age
2: diversity. (laughs) I mean, it's beautiful.
0: It is yeah, an educational yeah. diversity, so we've got people like you with master's degrees. you know you already have this master's mm-hmm. degree and other people who have you know maybe completed a couple courses in college, people that have not done college. It's just kind of everything <laughs> along the spectrum, or right. you know maybe people with master's degrees in fields that aren't related to mm-hmm. theology so but you don't need any particular form of education, but we've found that that mix of having people with a real range of backgrounds in all these different ways has just created this sense of really getting to the meaning of the body of Christ.
1: Right. Amen. Amen. I know Ohio conference has sort of a a collaboration or a partnership with the journey program. Maybe you'd want to say a little about that.
0: To speak to that question about the Ohio conference Partnership. I was super excited a year and a half or so ago to, or maybe it's two now. I lose track of time in this COVID era, but to have Ohio conference become a sponsoring conference alongside central district and Indiana, Michigan. And that means they have representation on the board. So. Dick Barrett and Doug King are part of the board. And as Ramon said, he's there as a student representative. And that means that Ohio Conference has a really important role in helping to shape the program going forward. Dick is regularly involved in our weekend learning events. He'll be leading a session on um, life timeline. It's called um, this coming fall. And he's just uh, very present and invested in it. And That means that good leadership development will happen for the conference. It makes a huge difference when you have leaders that care about helping to develop leaders. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've just been really happy and excited to partner with Ohio Conference on this. In terms of other things that I might add, I guess I I just want to say something in response to one little thing that came up a minute ago, and that's that there are a lot of different ways for people to lean into theological education and they're just kind of different things along the spectrum. And I, I'd, I'd love to see people just take that next step, whatever it is. So it might just be as small as a workshop taking a, mm-hmm. you know, just a webinar or something, or it might be as Big of a commitment as the Journey Program or the Master of Divinity Program. But it's like, that's not what matters. What matters is are you paying attention to what the Spirit is saying to you and calling you to do for the next stage of your life? And Amen. so that's just, you know, walking with the Spirit on a day to day basis and really letting ourselves be open to what the Spirit is calling us to, I think, is, is just what I'd want to emphasize.
1: Yeah, amen. But one thing that stands out as I listen to you share about some of the seeds that started the Journey program, but also the, the sort of way it's taken shape, it, it just runs the whole gamut of church experience and, and ministry possibilities. So you've got missionaries, you've got pastors, you've got lay leaders, program leaders, people with their own little niche in an RV <laughs> factory or wherever. <laughs> um, I, I think about the, the story you told early on in this conversation about um, the sort of, uh, I don't know what, what quite you called it, but in Iowa, starting these seminary classes and, and almost like a, a little local communal learning institute seemed to be mm-hmm. developing. And, mm-hmm. and it seems like there's all these different ways that uh, a program like the Journey program can meet the church in a wide variety of forms. Because we know that there's, there's rarely one set institutional or structural picture of what the church looks like. Mm-hmm. And even here at the end, the, the, the note you're ending on is, where's the Spirit leading you? Because it, it could be to an RV factory. It could be to pastoral ministry. The, the spectrum is so wide because God's mission, God's reconciling mission is unfolding mm-hmm. everywhere in this world. So I'm just really pleased to hear about a program like Journey that, that opens and expands the possibilities of, of how God is calling people to be ambassadors of, of Christ's reconciliation. So mm-hmm. thank you for everything that you are doing through AMBS, through the Church Leadership Center, Amen. as a dean of lifelong learning. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to continuing the relationship between Ohio Conference, the Ohio Conference CAST, And you, Jewel, and and the Church Leadership Center, into the future. Amen. Yes, absolutely.
0: Thank you so much. Wow, what a great pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me, and uh, I look forward to continued partnership with Ohio Conference, and I will tune in for your podcasts. Okay. (laughs) We'll hold you to it. (laughs) I'm excited. All right. Thanks, Jewel. All right, thank you. God bless thank you. you. Mhm.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, well, uh if you guys made it through it, you know, um and I didn't turn you off <laughs> in the whole conversation, uh we are just so glad that you guys were able to listen to the to the podcast and If you don't know Jewel personally, hopefully in some time in the future you will be able to get to meet this wonderful lady. Uh, She is truly a sister in Christ, and uh, she is a joy to be around. You know, Corbs and I are uh, looking for, like I said earlier, uh, material. We have some things on our list, but uh, what matters to us is what matters to you. So uh, we're going to sign off now until we Get a chance to be blessed and, and talk with you again. God bless you.
0: Ohio people with men and I views, and they're gonna give us some missional news. Ohio conference, conference. Thank you for listening to another edition of Ohio Conference Cast. We would love to hear from you. Our email is ohioconferencecast at gmail.com. Ohio Conference Cast is brought to you by the Ohio Conference Leadership Team, along with Norm Sohar, sound engineer, Megan Sohar, voiceover, Anne Lehman, publisher, and our many guests and listeners.